G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, a host of this show based in Austin, Texas. Now, for today's show, I haven't told you this, Daniel, but you have been our probably our most requested. You've got to get this guy on. You've got to get this guy on. Guest on the show. So Daniel Foley Carter. G'day. How are you, Daniel? Yeah, I'm very good. Very good. Blustered, but yeah, glad glad to be on the show. And hopefully this is one of one of many shows. So as you've all heard in the preamble, and especially if you've listened to this show before, you know, I talk to practitioners, people on the tools. I talk to thought leaders, educators, brand side people and hear those stories. Now, Daniel has been in this for a long time, a lot longer than most, which we'll get into your story. I do always open with one question though. Daniel, what do you believe is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2023? Well, if I was to say anything other than AI, I, I'd be doing myself uh, injust- injustice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the shakeup of AI and AI wars between uh, Google being now Samsung. So I think, yeah, SEOs are definitely going to have challenges this year with AI, change of landscape. So yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath this year. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think like we're just at the tip of the iceberg because everyone's thinking about AI when it comes to copy, but there's so many other applications for it. Like, And the, the copy is only going to be the first wave of it. I'm, we're talking to our clients lots around what other type of rich content you do see, what other bits and pieces are you going to be adding? Because copy is going to be so superfluous. Yeah. That's only one part of what the AI, how it's going to impact everything. It is. And I've got a, a very strong take on this. So the, I, I, the funny thing is without being controversial, controversial, because just like a little bit of a backstop, when I first really started putting effort into LinkedIn, the way that I used to get any form of traction was being not rude, but controversial, being relatively harsh. And, you know, there was a point in the past where I had no idea what I was doing from an SEO point of view. This is back, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. But the industry now has flourished. And because SEO is not a curriculum-based skill, you, mm. you don't go to school to learn SEO. You don't go to college or university to learn SEO. Mm. SEO is very much uh, self-taught thing where people, you know, do little courses online. Mm. But the SEO industry has obviously grown significantly as everyone moves and transacts online. But the problem is, is that the curriculum for SEO hasn't evolved as much as the need for SEO. Mm. So this is where tools like SEMrush, and don't get me wrong, you know, if I ever mention a tool and it has like a negative connotation, I'm, I don't mean that. Like SEMrush is a brilliant tool, yeah. Ahrefs, brilliant tool. But the problem is, is that when you're, when there's loads of SEOs coming into the industry and they can go on to a tool like SEMrush, put a website in and, and get, you know, like 
you know, fix this, fix that. You you are an SEO, but are you an SEO or are you just someone that knows how to put something in and spit something out? Yeah. So with AI, right, the use case away from content is what else can you get AI to do? You can get it to write canonical tags, hreflang tags. You can ask it to create robots text file with directives. But I think there's still going to be a large volume of people that if they don't understand a lot of the components of SEO because SEMrush or at all does it for them, mm. they're not going to go to AI and then start asking it to create hreflangs because they're so used to using a tool like SEMrush that will say, you know, you're missing hreflang, you're not linking, you, you haven't got X defaults there or anything. So I think AI is heavily being utilized for content. I think the shift this year will really come in the form of productivity for SEO. Uh -huh. I still think I still think a lot of people that aren't SEOs or don't have developed SEO skills, they're not going to benefit so much from AI when it comes to the technical SEO. I think mm -hmm. they'll still very much be reliant on going on LinkedIn. This is how I blew up my traffic. And really, all they did was use AI to spout a load of content and not address key technical issues. I think that's that's not so much a hot take. Like, I think you're right. Like, the fundamentals, if you haven't got the fundamentals down, how can you... Because I, I see AI and all these tools as like, how do I put my team, myself, on steroids? Like, how can I find ways to get more productive, have the AI help me do other things so I can go do maybe more complex things? And I always come back to... I, I DJed for a long time. I always come back to the change in the DJ industry of like, you know, vinyl to CDs to beat match. And you have people going, oh, but you can't have the machine doing all the things for you. But only people who have got like an incredibly deep understanding of how to do it properly maximize those tools. And that's yeah. exactly what you're saying here. Like the tools, they're only as good as the inputs and, and like the intelligence to go in. And that's what's really going to help separate. That's it. And I think, I think what AI is going to do is as it solves one problem, it creates another. Mm. It will give people the feeling that they can do more than what they actually can. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not hard for me to see someone write a prompt and then for me to replicate that. Mm -hmm. If I don't truly understand what I'm doing with that, I don't know if I put that into a site, if it will do harm or good. If someone doesn't understand the true implications of blocking certain parameters with robots text, Hmm. They might ask ChatGPT to create directives, but if they don't know how to test it and what the implications are, hmm. they might actually do damage and, and not realize it. Yeah. So I think, and I, I think what will also happen is that we we go through bandwagon, right? And it was, it, I mean, there wasn't the same level of excitement when we when we started talking about Google Glass. When Google announced that you would have a pair of glasses with augmented reality, people yeah. went back back crazy for it then there was google voice search google voice search is gonna change how we all search it's it, people aren't gonna search manually in google more They're, they'll ask google and what's happened to that well, how much share of voice does voice actually have i think with ai all that the that we're really going to see from that is is more that we can speed up and improve productivity i think mm -hmm. that's where the real value of AI comes in. And I think what's going to happen is that mainstream SEO tools, so SEMrush will do it, AHS will do it, Majestic, Sitebulb, mm. these tools, they are going to adopt totally. AI mm -hmm. and bring that in. And I think 
again, it, it's just about wherever there is a USP that your tool can solve a problem, SEOs will capitalize that, capitalize on that one way or another. So it'll be like, you know, a, a, a tool that traditionally will call your website will now call your website and using AI, <laughs> it will be able to give you more clear guidelines on you need to do this and you need yep. to do that. Will it make SEOs redundant? No, because who's going to be there to oversee the strategy? Who's going to be over there to oversee the data? Mm. So our roles will just change, I think. And I think such a good point, man. Like it's especially as it starts to get integrated within these tools, because you know it's you know it's going to happen. Like if we come back to those fundamentals that really strong SEOs have versus others, it's just going to amplify poor SEO as opposed to amplifying, you know, innovation, those sorts of things. It's funny you mentioned voice search. So I was I was on a podcast that aged very poorly about six years ago with me saying that voice search is going to be amazing. It's going to change everything. And then like literally like three years later, I remember talking to someone B2B and he's like, Russ, how, how likely do you think I'm going to be to shout at my computer? Like in an office, it's just dumb. And I just remember thinking, yeah, I hope he doesn't hear that podcast. And, and yeah, it's like, you know, I have a Google home hub and I do use, you know, I ask it to play music. You know, I'll ask it weather and things like that, but it absolutely has not changed my search behavior at all. And I think another really important thing that, you know, a lot of people don't seem to be mentioning is the fact that search hasn't changed in 25 years fundamentally. Mm. So in the late mid, mid to late nineties, when search engines, you know, AltaVista, FreeServe, Lycos, it was the same principle. You put in a keyword and you would get a list of results. So we still do that. So the fundamental behavior of search hasn't changed. So you've got lots of people saying, well, you know, search is doomed. People will just go to chat GPT. No, they won't. People won't because everyone has been using search for 25 years. Mm. You don't change that kind of behavior overnight. I think what will also happen is that Google is not going to let OpenAI steal huge volumes of market share without having a plan. And I think you know, when we look at like open AI versus BARDS, you know, BARDS so far has been a lot more underwhelming hmm. than open AI. But I think Google's definitely playing a sly card here. And I think what all they're going to do is they're just going to enhance search. So I think, you know, when we talk about search not changing for 25 years, I think when you look at the mechanics of it, if I have to go and dig through loads of information, that's not a good user experience. Mm. But over the years, when you look at like humming, humming, hummingbird, penguin, yep. rank brain, as Google's got smarter, result quality generally has got better. Not in every instance, but it has got better. So it mm. means that people tend to find what they're looking for quicker. But that's old school mechanics, algo mechanics of, you know, adjusting the results, algo updates. But I think now with AI, where AI is really going to, excel is bringing more information that's far more personalized and relevant to your search mm -hmm. so i might be looking at the health benefits of fruit my intent might be different to someone that wants to know the health benefits of fruit because they have a, a, a disease or something so if google can learn more about people's search behavior when they go search for something it can use ai to deliver more personalized content, which will enhance the user experience further. And I think 
that's where we're going to start going. Like people spent years arguing with me because I used to say that Google uses human behavior factors in, in shaping results. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, people like Daniel conspiracy theorists back. It up. Well, I did a lot of testing and, you know, the data that I had was irrefutable. Like I was doing abandonment testing, user engagement testing, and it makes no sense. Like why would backlinks be a factor after 25 years? And yet Google's now got majority of market share with Chrome. They've got plenty of ways of ways to see what's happening with people's behavior. Why would that not be a factor? Why would user behavior not be a clear indicator whether something is good or not? So I think AI with big data <laughs> will dramatically change how we get the thing that we want. But will people go to, to chat GPT to book a holiday or to buy a pair of shoes? No, they won't. 100%. God, you've, you've, you've just gone, you've launched straight in. You've been, I love it. I love it. You've been doing this a long time. So when did you kick off? Like, how did you, what was your first foray in, into, was it websites or was it search or? What was it? So, so it, it all started out. So when I was growing up, I, I fell into a bad crowd at school. So, you know, I was hanging around with really bad people that if I'd carried on down that route, I probably would have ended up getting locked up. So my parents tried to find a way that they could, you know, get me to come in. Mm -hmm. So one day they brought this windows 3.1 386 PC. And I looked at it and I couldn't care less. So I ignored it. Then one day, my stepdad had got a new job and he had a Windows 95 PC. And one day I was poorly and, you know, it had games on it. I think it had some pinball game on it and I started Mm. playing it. Then I started to see there were games like Doom and I started playing games on the computer. I thought, oh, this is brilliant. So I stopped going out with these troublemakers. And then after I started playing on the computer, I started realizing like, I want to like do other things. So I actually started learning how to write computer games. And one thing led to another. I started learning how to program. I started learning to write visual basic. Yep. And then I realized that I could sell software, you know? So I was only 11, 12 and I, I'd learned to write in visual basic. Yep. So I was like, you know, I'm creating these little apps. Now I need to put them on a website. So I started using like self-hosted platforms like GeoCities, Max Pages. Mm-hmm. I created a little site. It was really terrible. Yeah. And I try and put these downloads on there for people to buy. When is this? Then Are you it... talking like late nine? What is this? Late nineties? So, so I first got into computers in 1995 wasn't until 1998, 97, 98 that I'd started using the internet. Yep. It was in 1998 that I first started trying to get my website ranked. Mm-hmm. So okay. Submitting, submitting my website to Alta Vista, Reserve, Lycos, Hotbot, Inktomi, Dogpile. There was like hundreds wow. of So I'd use, I'd use software like Web CEO and it used to submit to loads of search engines. And then, then I was like looking at, I used to have a hit counter. So I was like trying to see how many would come, would come to my website. And uh, yes, it was the late nineties that I, you know, that I started doing SEO. And then obviously 
you know, Yahoo was the was the dominant search engine then and mm-hmm. you know, websites to rank on Yahoo and you know, doing everything from marquee tags to doorway pages. <laughs> yeah. And then and then that was it. And then then we ended the two thousands, computers started to improve in power. Mm-hmm. We got cable cable internet so we went from dial up to cable mm-hmm. and then then i got my first job in an agency in the early 2000s mm-hmm. doing what so so actually i joined this marketing agency as a web designer uh-huh. i wasn't a web designer but because i'd been building pages at home i'd started with like self-hosted sites like max pages and that yep then i went front page then i went to dreamweaver so i was creating websites in dreamweaver and it was so exciting publishing to a server and then getting oh, dreamweaver yeah, yeah. Taking yeah, it back. So, yeah, so I was using Dreamweaver, and then then I so I joined an agency called Odyssey UK. Okay, very early two thousands, and I started as a web designer, but then you know then they realised that I could do SEO, so I started doing SEO for them in the early two thousands, and I was on awful money, like one hundred and twenty pound a week full oh. time. Is that legal? Uh, was that legal? I know it's a long time ago, but it doesn't really? sound like. Yeah, I think I think I think it was legal back then. It was borderline minimum wage, but I lo- I loved the job, and then it springboarded me to work with slightly bigger agencies. Then I got into London, you know, working for big agencies in London. This was like two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Then I realised like I should just be doing this for myself, so. Mm. I launched my own agency, Assertive, in 2007. Yep. But, you know, I had no clients. I didn't have anything. So I was, like, working all day for an SEO agency. And then at night, I would stay up until 5 a.m. working on my agency site to get it to rank. Mm -hmm. You know, then eventually it started to rank, started to get my own business. And then I broke off and went and then went free. And then, obviously, over the years, you know, I've... I've been through all of the every core updates. I've seen everything happen and change. Yeah. And fundamentally, I've seen the industry completely change as well. What was your first memory of like a core update that just like rocked you? You're just like, oh, God, like that, that pit in your stomach. Worst, worst one, I think, of all time. It's a hard one. It was either Panda or Penguin. They were like, or Hummingbird. I mean, they 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 were like absolutely brutal because they significantly changed how google treated links more than content definitely mm-hmm. link mm-hmm. i used to spend years teasing matt cuts so matt cuts used to post everything on on his twitter like when they devalued exact match domains mm-hmm. so whenever he announced something i would go and do something to disprove it or so matt cuts announced the emd update so I went out and brought a teaching abroad domain. Then I ranked it with Laura Mips and Dollet content. There was no English content. Got the number one in Google. Wow. Just spammy backlinks on an EMT. But yeah, it was it, Panda and Penguin because a couple of the sites that I'd worked on in the early days, you know, I had like the free for all links, directory links. I had triangle links, reciprocal links. <laughs> And then they were like all devalued. And then overnight, you know, I remember like some clients losing 78% of their traffic overnight. And it was, and it was like panic time, you know, turns out I wasn't alone. Turns out millions of those updates. More recently though, 
the last update that really caused me a problem was I think it was December. It was either December 20 or December 2021. Okay. I lost all my rankings. Uh, I'm just, I'm actually just going to quickly check in Ahrefs what that was, but I, I ranked number one for like SEO agency. I ranked top three for like SEO services, SEO consultant, and it all vanished overnight, December. I'm just actually going to check when that was, but yeah, that the last update. Ever since then, I've not really seen anything that much. I've seen odd fluctuations with some of the sites. Some of the yeah. sites I've audited have seen some horrible stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was it was just December 20, 2020. Core up December okay. 20 yeah. uh, that clicked me. That uh, was it you or someone else that posted someone posted something recently about those those sorts of terms, SEO agency, SEO company, SEO consultant, and the the quality of the traffic. That you generate, yeah, awful, awful. It's terrible. Yeah. It's the worst. We, we rank for, like we we rank for SEO, all sorts of things around Texas. It's get like it's it's terrible traffic and terrible and it's bugging up all my conversions because you get all these people filling in the forms that are not, they're not clients. Let's just put it that way. Oh, it it's so at the time of this recording in in the UK and in some other parts of the world, I'm number one for SEO consultant. I have another uh, SEO-audits.io, and that ranks number one for SEO audits. I can confirm that SEO audits ranks number one here in Austin. I literally did it just before I jumped on the call. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. It's good to see, it's good to see that. But again, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, I, literally, I, I, I cannot attribute any value to either of those terms. In regards to how much I spent, so the Daniel Foley site in the UK for SEO consultant, I probably spent more than thirty thousand pounds mm. in terms of like labor time. The SEO audits IO domain did better because I had a very basic strategy of EMB and Harrow, you know, and SEO testing. So EMD still work, and if you you build a EMD as your brand, and then you do Harrow, Turkle, mm-hmm. or any of these things, you get an EMD based link. Mm-hmm. with your brand it supercharges your rank and it does Let, let's talk about SEO audits because that is how I I'm pretty sure that's how I first came across you you mentioned earlier like it was you know saying controversial stuff which I loved so I've been following you for a bit sharing your posts for like a couple of years now how, how did that come about actually firstly let's talk about I want to get into SEO audits and some of the stuff you found there but you, you touched on it before when you started getting on LinkedIn and saying saying you know controversial stuff was that a an intentional strategy of, okay, well, I'm just going to get out there. Or was it you just being you, just being, oh, there's lots of people here who know this. So so one of the things that I never understood was for the amount of time that I've been in the industry and what I've done, I would class myself as fairly unsuccessful. So I know a lot of agency owners who are, you know, they own agencies that are not even a fraction of the age of my agency. And mm. they're, they're 20, 30 times the size. Mm. But where I've seen a lot of agencies scale, it's not to ever put down growth. Like if an agency scales, fair play to them. But the problem is, is that because I've been in the agency space, I've tried recruiting all throughout the mid 2010s, all the way up to 2020. And I to recruit, recruit, recruit. And the quality of people coming through for SEO that had like five years experience, 10 years experience was awful. It was like, it was long I was getting in. You know, I had these amazing CVs and it was like SEMrush, 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 or, or just a handful of tools. And it was like, there was like no real methodology there. And 
I started getting really fed up. So I never set out to use LinkedIn as a place to vent frustration as part of a strategy. What I did, I realized that some of the most successful people I know were successful, not because they worked hard, but because they were well connected. I realized, like, how do I get well connected? How do I get people to know me? Like, clearly, seven years of ranking number one for SEO agency isn't how I'm going to scale to a five, 10 million a year agency because mm. why are these big agencies scaling and I'm not? Mm-hmm. Well, then oh, the penny drops that most of these big agencies, they don't rank. They don't focus on an SEO strategy. They, they build relationships. So with that in mind, I thought, well, I'll turn to LinkedIn. But then any time I went to LinkedIn, I was always frustrated at the time that I'd go to LinkedIn. So I'd just be like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to post how I feel. If people don't like it, they don't like it. It's how I feel. And I sort of, maybe I had the wrong mindset. I'd taken a Facebook mindset and used it on LinkedIn, which is not what you do. So I was like very uncouth. And it turns out that that was actually a very good springboard for me because, you know, I had like 2,000 followers after 10 years of having LinkedIn. And then I, from 2,000 followers to like 20,000 followers in months. So then I realized, you know, actually being controversial might be beneficial in some ways. Yeah, some people won't like me or won't like what I have to say. But my point is, is that, and one thing that I always advocate, people are going to argue with me in, in respect. If I say something and I've got data to back up what I say, and then people are going to argue, if they don't back up their argument with data, well, so I've got loads of SEO experiments. I buy EMDs, I buy domains, and then I run experiment, experiment, experiment. And then when I've got enough correlation data, then I'll put something on LinkedIn and say, this is what I can see. This is mm. what I believe. Mm-hmm. And then be the people who... Uh, I guess the thing is too, like lots of people are controversial for controversial sake, for just to yeah. be contrarian, just to look different in the feed. And then you might jump to their profile and see they've been doing it for a year or t- for three years or four years. Like I know the first time I started seeing your stuff, I was like, jump over, holy cow. Okay, he's been doing this a long time. And then you started posting the data and stuff. I was like, okay, cool. All right, I need to follow this guy. Boom. And I reckon there's a lot of people that did the same thing. It's like that sort of stress test at the start. What's Is it real? Okay. There's some legit experience there. Might just tune in and and then obviously all the data and everything that you share. Now, SEO audits, like how did, how, that's like under assertive, is it? Or is that like an assertive, how does that sort of fit in? And, and how did that come about as like a business unto itself? So it's really strange in so I launched it at the beginning of 2022. So it was a, it was towards the end of 2021. And we'd had a pretty bad year in 2020 because of COVID. So COVID really damaged my agency because mm. we, we're boutique. So we don't mm. have like loads of clients. We don't have a massive team. We, you know, we're very sort of tight in the ship that we run. Mm. We'd lost clients because we had clients in hospitality, travel, and all of the things by COVID. So we were on the recovery phase. And what I couldn't understand was like, why am I sat in this situation after being in the industry for so long? And then when I started seeing some of the work that I'd been sent by prospective clients, I was sat there one day and I, ironically, I was ill and it's a bit of a common trend. Some people know on LinkedIn, I do suffer health problems. And hmm. a large part of that is is due to the last 20 years of not going to bed at night. 
but I was ill and I had a, I found this folder of all these SEO audits that I collected over like the last year from prospective clients that said, you know, we've been with this agency, we haven't got anywhere. And I'd asked, you know, what work's been done and they'd send me these audits. And I started looking at it and I was like, this is just not acceptable. These businesses, and I, I'd never name any out of professional courtesy, but you know, they, they were like small, big, small and large agencies with their logo on these audits that literally I was dumbfounded at the quality of what was in there. And, you know, and I'm like, businesses have paid thousands of pounds for this. This is awful. And then I was like, there's got to be a, an opportunity to just sell an audit and not pressure businesses into buying SEO. So even though I run an agency, I was sort of like marketing it in the way that actually rather than going and just going from agency to agency to agency, let me do a proper audit and then let me put all the cards on the table mm -hmm. and let's take a different approach to it. So then I, I, you know, I set up SEO audits IO mm -hmm. and I, I didn't really think that it would go the way that it did. What I then did was, you know, I started marketing it. I didn't have any rank, didn't have anything. I just, had a fairly good LinkedIn following. I started marketing and I got my first like handful of audit orders. And it was great because I charged up front. And the and the the, the brilliance in that is that it's it's the best pre-qualifier. If someone is genuinely interested in in moving their SEO forwards, hmm. they won't sit there and go, well, you know, we'd rather the audit first than we pay because they're not the kind of businesses that you want. So the first couple of audits, I did them, and obviously, you know, my audits have evolved. But the feedback when I sent them to the clients was, we've never seen anything so detailed. This is mm. incredible. Mm. Some of them even come back and said, like, how come she charged so little? So what I started doing was, like, looking for all of the gaps where I could make the audits, like, ridiculously good and hard to replicate. Because don't get me wrong, we're in a dog-eat-dog -dog industry, right? If you do something and people spot that it works for you they'll copy it that's just how it goes so the audience business then i started realizing like this is so much better than an seo business See. because what's happening is is that i'm getting paid up front there's no pressure i get to demonstrate my expertise i don't have to sit there and send a proposal do an rfp join call after call, trying to compete against 20 other agencies that they've inquired with. Yeah. They've paid me and I've demonstrated my expertise and they can see it and they're like, okay, wow, this is really good. Maybe we can get Daniel to execute it. Yeah. Then I send it to the agency. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, and then from there, it's, it's just absolutely exploded. So I think it's a combination of demonstrated expertise over the years. Plus I rank all my own assets and then people have shared like you know that they got an audit with me and then passed it on and then since then it's just it's just absolutely like grown beyond any comprehension um, that's so cool yeah and then the last thing to add into that is that i make no bones about it i've already preempted it being copied so i built seo stack yeah to, what is that so SEO, so SEO stack is probably the most proud creation to date. Like, so SEO stack is, I don't, I, I don't want to come across as arrogant, but 
I'm going to say it's an extremely powerful SEO tool <laughs> because it's not like general SEO tools. It's not based on projection data. SEO stack is basically a replica of Google Search Console, <laughs> but it is far more powerful in that it takes away all of the limitations. So basically we take all of Search Console data, we take all the limitations away, the thousand row limits, the lack of being able to run multiple queries. Then we take that data and we reprocess it. Mm -hmm. So we look at how Google's weighting queries against pages. We look at what's called data convergence. And what I've done is over the last year, I've basically shaped SEO stack to become stupidly powerful. And then I've combined that with my audit process. Mm -hmm. So it makes the audits far harder to replicate and it adds significantly more value to the audits, basically. Okay. Very cool. Wow. Are you finding anything consistently? I, I did notice that the audits now, you've got vertical specific audits, which is great because it makes sense. But within any of those verticals or even just across broadly, is there stuff that you're just consistently seeing like that, that keeps coming up? Uh, what in respect of when I audit, what kind of things do I see? Biggest, biggest one is content. It's yeah. always content because the easiest thing for anyone to do when they have a client is to churn out blogs. That's, that's like what I spend so much time cleaning up. So I've seen some extra, extraordinary stuff. There are businesses that came to me that were spending 10, 15, 20,000 pounds a month. Hmm. And they, when I looked at what their strategy was, it was like loads of cheap niche edits, blog, 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 blog. And they had traffic gain. They hmm. had traffic gain. So if you said to me, was the SEO agency that did the work successful? They were successful in generating extra traffic, but did they get any ROI from it? Well, very little. So I keep seeing the same thing, mass indexing problems because they've, they've churned out articles at such a rate that they don't realize that they've reproduced the same thing elsewhere with mm. a slightly article title or they've produced tons of content that they've shortcutted and then Google doesn't see any value on first pass indexing. So it goes into crawl, currently not indexed, discover mm -hmm. currently not indexed. So Content is the biggest thing. I find loads of problems tech-wise when it comes to rendering. Loads of people jumped on the JS bandwagon mm -hmm. thinking that, because when you look at web dev agencies, they're always going to want to deliver something that is not more complex because they can charge more. But you know, if you're developing like Next.js sites and you're making these really high-end sites, you're going to choose a text stack like that. But I see so many sites that, are built and they're over-engineered. And the problem is, is that no one's bothered to test, can Google actually render the pages? Can it access <laughs> the content? So I see JS issues all the time and the good old link problems, which, you know, the amount of times I've seen the same guest posts over, <laughs> over and over again, because, you know, good quality link, link building is hard and it's expensive. And given that, you know, more than 50% of the SEO industry is sub 1K a month. You know, can't do a link building strategy on less than 1K a month. You can't do it. So those are the most common things. But I am starting to see a trend towards other issues. So recently I've seen an alarming increase in manual actions, which I hadn't seen for years. Interesting. Like, yeah. 
yeah, I've been seeing lots of manual actions re recently pop up with thin, thin content. Nothing really on the link front. It just seems that Google ignores links now with SpamBrain. But interesting to see lots of manual actions popping up for people that have had an endemic content strategy of things like creating hundreds of micro-location pages and things like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I reckon we could go on for hours, but we're going to have to get into, into our Vox Pop. So we, I have to get you back and we'll, we'll come up with a topic. We'll get you back. But uh, Daniel, thanks so much. Let's get into the Vox Pop. So I ask this every, every guest that's on. It's, I just need quick fire answers. I'm going to ask the question, boom, straight into the answer and then on to the next. You ready? Yeah, go. go Excellent. Which previous algo change still keeps you up at night? It'd be the, the, it would be the December 2020 core update. What's your favorite non-obvious software tool that you use every day to research or execute? Would I be biased in staying SEO stack? <laughs> no, that's fine. It's not obvious. Done. Yeah. Gun to your head. Which do you prefer, content or links? I'm neutral. I can't, I can't answer that because it really depends on the intent. One is more beneficial than the other. It's really dependent on what the niche is. Mm-hmm. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Probably Harrow and Turkle. So basically pitching answers to journal questions is generally the best one for, for me. Cool, cool. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant? It is in some, some degrees because generally a well-written skyscraper article with multiple user feedback can actually go on to rank and generate traffic. And traffic mm -hmm. is a far more weighted link metric than DA, DR, or mm -hmm. any other metric. And I've noticed in some of the skyscraper links that I've heard, they actually generate traffic. And that for me means that that link is far more likely to be a positive indicator of quality. Got it. What do you love most about SEO? Not knowing what the answers are and testing to find the result. Yeah. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? Oh, that one's... You mean when you say daily life, do you mean in my daily work routine? No, I'm also in like your, your family or just your personal life. Anything from SEO that you take into that? I tend to be very analytical about everything. So because I analyze a lot of data, I'm very analytical when, with anything that we do when it's away from the computer, which is actually very annoying and frustrating <laughs> for my partner, but that's a personality trait. Got it. Work from home life? Or office life or hybrid life? What's your preference? Definitely hybrid life. Me too. SEMrush or Ahrefs, which would be your preference if you had to choose one? I'd say Ahrefs. Got it. And last one, agency or in-house or combo? What do you think is the best mix for brands and the best choice? Combo. Definitely Love combo. It. Love it. Cool. Daniel, thank you so much. Really great conversation. We launched straight in. Some nuggets there. I, I definitely have to get you back. People should follow you on LinkedIn if they're not already. Is that the best place to find you? Yeah, or you can Google me. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Cool, Daniel. Well, that's Daniel Foley Carter on SEO Success Stories. We'll definitely have him back. So for all the people who've asked for, him, for me to get him on, he's here and he will be back. If you've enjoyed the show, we are still on our, I say this every episode, but five stars on Apple would really appreciate it. I'm really trying to bump that up. And tell your friends, tell anyone who's into SEO to tune in. Thanks again, Daniel. That's SEO Success Stories. Another episode down. Cheers. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thank you too.